This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Because I want to give you some very special character traits that coincide with the message today, the world still needs Christian mothers. But I believe the message and what we're going to be saying and talking about today is applicable for all of us, fathers as well. And so if you have your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to be reading for you uh, beginning in verse 3, and we'll read through verse number 5. And the scripture says, again, the Apostle Paul is the one that's writing. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. Now, I want to emphasize something that that might be a confusing passage of scripture because uh, Paul did not become converted until he was on the road to Damascus. However, you need to understand that he was schooled and learned in the law all of his life, basically. He studied at the feet of Gamal. So he grew up in a religious family, but not necessarily a Christian home. He did not know the Lord personally and intimately until Acts chapter 9 when he met the Lord on the Damascus Road. So keep that in mind. We understand what he's talking about. He says, I have in remembrance of these talking to Timothy in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unframed faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. As long as their children being born and the Holy Spirit is at work in this world, every single home needs a godly Christian mother. I want you to think about this. And if you have a Christian mother, you need to thank God every day for her. If you had one who's now gone on, listen, you need to thank God for her. For me personally, and I, I think I'm very uh, forthcoming in letting you know that in all of the sermons that I prepare to preach on Sunday mornings, today's message is probably one of the most difficult one of them all. And there are very reasons for that, various reasons for that, because I recognize that there are many people who are watching, who are here today, that sit through this service as we celebrate this special day and reflect on the fact that you have a mother that has passed. And your mother's not here with us physically, tangibly today, but she's gone on to be with the Lord. And then I recognize that on the other hand, there are some that watch this service or sit through this service today, maybe perhaps that you do not have a memory of your biological mother. Maybe for some reason you uh, have been passed down through foster homes or maybe some of you 
are adopted, then there are some here today that really have tried hard to forget the memories of childhood. And so I recognize that as we congregate on a day like this, this auditorium, especially the World Wide Web, we, we are assembled here today under a vast difference of emotions. And I believe the sentimental feelings of this day for me in this pulpit for these next few minutes is a very complex thing to try to put into words that adapt to everybody. Because there are some things going on in our hearts as we reflect that we cherish and maybe want to forget. And so I struggle with this as we get to this particular sermon out of the 52 weeks of the year. But I want to share some things that I believe will be uplifting to you. And I thank God that regardless of whatever your circumstance may be, that there's a sympathizing Savior that can heal every scar, every wound, every pain, every teardrop, and who can bless every wonderful, bountiful blessing that you have in the way of memory. And so there is, there is a bright side to every disappointment. When I think about this particular passage of Scripture, and I want to give you just a little bit to think about before we get into the depth of the message today, the Apostle Paul, he's making it clear in verse number three that he's praying for Timothy both night and day. If you're writing in your Bible, you make that a habit. Maybe you want to underline that because I don't know. The Bible says that Paul prayed night and day. Maybe he prayed three times a day like the prophet Daniel, morning, noon, and evening. Or perhaps Paul dedicated his prayer where it would coincide with the times of the daily offerings in the temple. Day after day, the priests would offer their sacrifices like clockwork. At six o'clock in the morning, they would offer the burnt offering. At nine o'clock in the morning, they would offer the meal offering. At 12 o'clock, they would offer the peace offering. At three o'clock, they would offer the sin offering. And at six o'clock, they would offer the trespass offering. Day after day in the temple, these priests would offer these particular offerings to God like clockwork. And so maybe it was like that. Maybe as the hour came and the priests were offering these particular offerings in the temple, maybe it was then that the apostle Paul prayed. I don't know. The word's clear that he prayed both night and day. When Paul is writing this particular passage of scripture, both he and Timothy knew that Paul's days were numbered. Paul was now imprisoned by Nero, who was a barbaric individual. It wasn't like Constantine. Nero was a brute. He was, he was horrible in the way that people perceived Christianity and the way that that faith was lived out. But something interesting here in verse number five, Paul testifies of three generations of faith. And I want you to notice this. And this is important. It's important in your Bible study. It's, it was important to me when I put some of these things on paper. And that was this, that Paul made it a point to talk about that unfrayed faith 
And that word unfrayed faith, if you're not familiar with that terminology in the scripture, it simply means genuine. Paul was admonishing Timothy. He was saying that I, I am so encouraged in the faith by your genuine faith. Paul was saying there was nothing hypocritical about your faith, Timothy. It was all sincere. Keep in mind this now, if you will, because we're talking about the home and the household where Timothy was raised. Paul mentions his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Now, both Lois and Eunice, they were Jews, Jewesses. Not so with his father. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So when Paul is talking about Lois and Eunice and Timothy, he is talking about three specific generations of unfrayed faith. You'll be interested to know this. I was anyway. That the word grandfather is not mentioned in the word. Have you ever thought about that? This is the only passage in the scripture where the word grandmother is mentioned. Grandfather is not mentioned in the word. However, the idea of grandfatherhood sure is because we know that Abraham was Jacob's grandfather. Not much said about Timothy's father. Timothy's father was a Greek and probably not a believer. So Timothy's mother, Eunice, who was a Jew, married a Greek. The only reference really that we have about Timothy's father is mentioned in Acts chapter 16, verse number one. But here's the thing, Lois and Eunice, they had a great spiritual influence on Timothy. And here's the thing, neither of these women, Lois and Eunice, they didn't pass down to Timothy acres of property that they owned. They did not pass down to him wealth that they had accumulated. They did not pass down possessions that they had. According to the word of God, Lois and Eunice passed down their great faith, making Timothy to be the great servant of God that he was. And so for the next few and brief moments, and our time is just almost nearly gone, and if you're looking at your bulletin today, because I believe that we're all uniquely, wonderfully made, and I gave you a scripture in Job 31, verse number 15, did not he that made me in the womb make him and did not one of his fashion us in the womb? We are all wonderfully, beautifully, uniquely made in the image of God. And all of us that are given the responsibility to raise children and in some cases raise grandchildren, we have an awesome responsibility. We're not just human beings, but we have been wonderfully, beautifully knitted together in the image of God. 
And I want to give our mothers here today, you might say, well, preacher, all of my kids are grown and they've flown the nest. But listen, do you realize you still have a responsibility to them? Those of you with young children here today, you've got a major responsibility as well. And I've listed nine undebatable truths in becoming successful in raising your children. They're not just because they might be 18, 21 and out of the nest. That does not mean your job is over. These are important things and I've jotted them down for you. Maybe you want to make a notation beside them. But my advice, if you were sitting in my office for a counseling session and you wanted advice on raising children, no doubt we would talk about some of these. Obviously, I don't have time to bring it past nine and I need to do a fast work in the pulpit to give these to you today. But number one, listen, be available for them. If I had one thing to change in my life. At 63 years old now in the ministry for over 40 years, if I had one thing to change about my ministry, my life, if I could go back, and all of us do, I think, we have situations in our life where we wish that we could take the time to reverse the hands on the clock and go back and relive or regain some time that we so hastily lost, it would be this for me. If I could change one thing, I would go back to the beginning of my ministry and I would make myself more available for my own three children. Because I will tell you this, when my kids were growing up, and I was still a young man preaching in this pulpit. I can remember many, many, many times that I was a daddy to somebody else's child rather than my own. I can remember time, whether it be singing, whether it be preaching, whether it be counseling, whether it be walking the floors in the hospital, and all that's important. And I'm glad that I was there for those people and those circumstances and those particular things. But here's the thing. I can never go back and take one day of that and invest that into my children. I can't do it. So you're saying, preacher, that if you had it to do all over again, you would have spent more time with children instead of studying and preparing messages and lessons. And you're saying you would spend more than that. You better believe I would. Because let me tell you, life is like a vapor. Number one, if you want to be successful, learn to spend time with your children. Live life today. Listen, I, some parents by the way of necessity, has to work two and three jobs. I get it. But you will never be able to call back time and reverse a second on the clock. Number two, you've got to stay involved with them. Let your children know, your grandchildren know. I'm telling you this, grandchildren are important. 
If I could have had grandchildren first, I would have had them first. <laughs> and those of you with grandchildren, you know, can I have a witness? You know what I'm talking about. But let me say this. Your children need to know that they are your priority. Nothing should come in front of them. Uh, listen, you've got to learn. You've got to show them. Let them know that they're your priority. Number three, teach and train them. Listen carefully. This I realize this is a glorified counseling session today right now for these next seven minutes, but please listen. If you don't teach your children the world will. And let me ask you, the other night, I was watching some things on the television and listen carefully, I saw some commercials of what television series were coming on around the next corner. And I will tell you, 90% of it were abominations. If you don't teach your children, the world will. Number four, real quickly here, discipline them. Now, that's a hard thing to do for grandchildren. I, I can discipline kids, my kids. I don't know about them grandkids. I, I just, I, it's just not in me. Now, Gail, she, she can do it. She, listen now, she, my goodness gracious. She can do it. But when it comes to my little Rylan James, the sun and the moon set in him. Not with her. <laughs> but listen, you, you've got to learn how to do that. You, you've, you've got to discipline them. And listen, you, have you ever heard this when you were growing up? This hurts me a whole lot more than it hurts you. That's a lie. <laughs> I never got that. It didn't work in my favor at all. But I will tell you this, you've got to, you've, no matter how painful emotionally or physically it may be, you've got to teach them, listen, you've got to teach your grandkids, you've got to teach your children to respect their elders. You've got to instill some great manners with them. And I will tell you this, in my opinion, as your pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather, I still believe there is room in this world to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. I believe it. And we've got to get back to where we instill these great things of discipline back into our families. Number five, quickly, we've got to learn how to nurture them, nurture them. Think about this. And that simply means this, you've got to saturate them with the word of God. When the grandchildren come over to my house right beside my table, 
in my window ledge, there are two devotional books. There's one that Gail and I use, and then there's one strictly for children. And when those grandkids come to my house, they know this, that before we leave the table, they know we're going to have devotions. I, I don't believe that just having them in church on Sunday mornings is enough. Or having them in the Wednesday night program is enough. You've got to make sure that your home is a sanctuary. Nurture them with the word of God. Number six, real quickly, you've got to learn how to model with integrity. What does that mean, preacher? That means you've got to learn how to live what you say. Let them see Jesus in you. Number seven, get in the habit of bringing them to church. You know what I'm afraid of in my elder years? It's because we've made it so convenient and so easy not to be in church that if we're not careful, our children are going to turn out to be a carbon copy of us Instead of just sending them to church, we need to bring them to church. And that's a message for the church. Don't ever sit around the table on Saturday night wondering if you're going to church the next morning. That's something that I can, I have my mother and father here in the service today and I can brag on them just for a moment. And Danny can testify on this. You know, in our home, when we were growing up, we never sat around a table on a Saturday night and wondered if we were going to church the next morning. We just didn't do that. Man, it was a given. In fact, here was the deal. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. The choir, we, they had to drag us to church on Tuesday night for choir practice. We went to Wednesday night prayer meeting, Thursday night visitation, you say, well, that's all you did when you was a kid was go to church. Hey! <laughs> My father's family grew up Roman Catholic. Had he not got saved, had God not radically changed his heart and life around, had he not crossed paths with my mother, I could have been an altar boy swinging incense this morning. <laughs> Listen, church didn't bother me too bad. Instill in their hearts that church is not a pastime. It's not a social event. It's not a matter of convenience. It's not an option. It's not an interruption. It's not about the weather. It's not about if company drops in. It's not about the distance. That's not about any of it. It's about worship and praise and reverence and obedience to the Lord. It is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. Amen. Number eight, bring them to a knowledge that Jesus is more than a name in the Bible. That he is the only begotten son of God, the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. 
He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000. He is my kinsman redeemer. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the prince of peace. Your kids have got to know this. And while our musicians come quickly, let me say this. When you do your job right, now, I will say this. You, you can, <clears throat> it's a big difference in what I'm saying here because what, everything that I've said and mentioned this morning talks about leadership, leading your family. Because if you ever have to browbeat Jesus into your children's hearts, they'll rebel against that. And when they get old enough, listen, they won't come to church. I, when Gail pinned that flower on Nikki this morning, listen, I remember Phyllis years ago when you and Ray made a decision that you were going to get in church, you go love the Lord, you serve the Lord. As a result of how that decision was made. Now, Nikki's in church. She met her husband in church. Listen to this. They're raising their children in church, your grandchildren in church. That's important. That's important. So here's the thing. When it's my time to cross the Chile Jordan, I want to be able to look into my children's face and I want to be able to look into the eyes of my grandchildren and I want them to know that it's been worth it all. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.